bring it with you next week. But the, uh, we're still finishing up the uh, Matthew 6, 9, the Our Father, Our Father, Our Daddy. Uh, hallowed be thy name. And so we talked about the uh, nature of what it meant, what it meant to be able to say Our Daddy. The word Abba, A-B-B-A, first time ever used in the Bible. Yes, somebody sp uh, spoke to me last week and showed me, well, here... The, there's some places in the Bible where the word father is used in relationship to God. But that word father is not the same word as this father. This is Abba. This is the Aramaic word that means daddy. So let's, this is the first time in the Bible that this word is used to describe God. And it's used by Jesus Christ, the son of God, God also. And so you understand what God has for us. And so... Uh, as we understand what this relationship is, as we understand what it took, what it took so that you could say, Dad, Dad, in the most intimate way to God himself, as you approach the throne of God, what it meant. I want you to, to understand what this means and how significant this is. And uh, turn with me, as you would, as we begin understanding this in terms of other writings Romans chapter 8. And by the way, while I'm on, before I begin Romans chapter 8, verse 15, um, I was reading a, a book recently by Andy Stanley, Charles Stanley's son. Uh, terrific book uh, about churches, uh, how churches ought to operate. It was a very good book, and he talked about understanding the giftedness that you have, your own personal gifts and where God places you in those gifts. Because you understand that God has given you a unique set of gifts and talents, each one of us. And he made the point, which I thought was brilliant, that when you look back at the first 11 apostles, they were all effectively uneducated men. And uh, that was the extent of the church at that time. But when God determined, this I thought hit me right between the eyes, when God determined he now would need an apostle who would effectively write two-thirds of the New Testament, two-thirds of the New Testament, when he wanted now an, uh, an apostle who would take what started in Jerusalem and spread it through the known world, who would bring it to kings, who would bring it to countries, what did he call? Did he call a fisherman? He called a Pharisee. He called a Pharisee. I mean, that's just, that's unbelievable. A Pharisee. So, in other words, God looks at your gifts. He looks at your talents. And he takes your gifts and he, t he takes your talents and he plugs you into where he thinks you have to be. Can you imagine? He called a Pharisee. And that Pharisee answered the bell. I am just so struck by this. So, I mean, I'm saying this to encourage you. I'm saying this to you. God knows your gifts. He knows your talents. So as you get closer to the cross and you ask God to use you, he will find a place for your gifts. Really. If, you're, if you have an intellect, God will find a place for your intellect. Don't think you have to abandon your intelligence to be a person that God can use. That's ridiculous. 
That's false theology. That's false theology. God will take the gifts that he gave you and raise you up and find a way to use those gifts for him. But we have to be submissive, amen? We have to be submissive. So Romans, Romans 8, our, our Pharisee, our Pharisee, verse 15, verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. Please underline that, sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Have you heard that before? We cry, Abba, Father. He's repeating the same word that Jesus used, Dad. We cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Amen? You understand the significance now of the Our Father, Our Father, Our Daddy in heaven, as we can say that word, and now Paul tells you what it means. He's reiterating it. You, you have the spirit of sonship. When you came to Jesus Christ and accepted Jesus Christ and were filled with the Holy Spirit, God implanted the Holy Spirit in you. You became a son of God through Jesus Christ. And so this is an enormous understanding of what that prayer means and where we, where we are within that prayer. Turn with me also to Galatians chapter 4. A couple pages further on down the road here. Galatians chapter 4. I like to say something to you not once, but like 10 times. Because God does that. You notice how God is? Got it once? That's not good enough. Let me say it to you 10 times. Verse 6. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. All right? He's writing this now to an entirely different group of people, the Galatians. Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Don't ever, don't ever despair about how, where your relationship to God is through Jesus Christ. You've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're sealed. You are his son. You are his adopted son. And we know from our study of history that the adopted son has, one, has an even higher status than a natural born son because in Rome, and Paul is writing during these Roman times, these are, are, are Roman uh, territories that he's relating to, we know that an adopted son cannot be disinherited. How do you like that? Cannot be disinherited. A natural born son can be, but not an adopted son. Oh, there's your security. That's why... That's why you can say, Abba, Father, God, you are my dad, you are my father in the most in intimate way. And so as we begin to study and peel back uh, the Lord's Prayer, we see that there are six specific petitions in the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be thy name, number one. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, number two. Give us this day our daily bread, number three. 
And forgive us our, our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I left out thy kingdom come. Six specific petitions. And the first three, the first three relate to the status of God. God's honor. God's sanctity. God's hallowed name. God's worshiping for first three. And the last three relate to your needs. And so Jesus is giving you the paradigm for how you pray. You pray first by approaching God in his holiness, in his sanctified state, and approaching him and honoring him for being the God of the universe. And you bow in holy subjection before him and you worship him. The first part is worship in your prayer. As you come to pray to God through, the, through understanding what your needs are, you, you give blessings and thanks for your salvation, for Jesus Christ. And then, and then you speak about your needs. We've reversed the whole thing. <laughs> reversed it. If in fact we even really sanctify God. Oh God, I need this now. I have, Lord, please help me with this thing. And, and I'm not saying that, it, that you don't have a right to pray like that, but God has given you the paradigm of the proper prayer. This is what God wants to see. Sure, he knows you have needs. He knows your needs before you ask for them. The Bible tells us this. He knows it before you ask. But he wants to see the proper prayer attitude. He wants to see you approach the throne of grace with the conduct, the hallowed nature, to understand who God is. And I would say that if one of the things that I would, I would emphasize in my teaching that I have had to come to terms with my, myself is I never really properly uh, respected the holiness of God. I did not. I did not appreciate what a Leviticus 16 meant. I did not really appreciate what it took, what it took for Jesus to go to the cross. I understood Jesus was my Lord and Savior, but I never understood how holy and sanctified God was because we as Christians have a way of marginalizing that. We love Jesus. Jesus has come to save us. We think of Jesus in the manger, the angels surrounding him. It's a, a glorious moment, and we never really truly come to terms with the awesome overall holiness of God. And I would say that as we, as we do the Lord's Prayer and we focus in on the word, Dad, Dad, we have to re-understand what it took, what it took, what it means to approach God like this. Read with me, please, to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter. Right, right, a couple books before Revelation. 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 15. But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Please underline that. Set apart Christ as Lord. And as you set apart Christ as Lord, you're setting God aside as also. You're setting them apart. You're removing your conduct from the rest of the world. You're separating a time of holiness. This is important. But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Are you like that? 
Are you ready? If you see me in the street and you see somebody who's, prob who's, who's suffering, you see a homeless person, you come across somebody whose family is coming apart, are you ready at that moment to give a reason why you have hope? Oh, I hope you do. I hope you are. I hope you're ready. Because he's telling you that's what it is. That's what you have to do to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Please underline that. Not you're a loser. Not you're going to hell. You're lost. But instead in love, you need to see Jesus. You need to see God's son. You need to abandon where you are and put your hope in Jesus. That's what the world needs to hear. They don't need you to pronounce judgment. Satan's already done that. You think Satan needs a partner? He's much better than you are. Okay? Yeah, I know you'll give it a good effort. You know, you'll, you know, but we have to watch this. And so many Christians, I cringe. I cringe when I see them interact with other people from other churches. Oh, you need to be saved. You know, and I mean, we just throw this word, these words around. Instead of drawing people to the cross of Jesus Christ, we repel them. God, give us the grace to see the damage that we do. Holy scars. Holy scars. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of the slander. How do you like that? You raise high the cross of Jesus Christ. You, you encourage, you affirm, and when you do this, God will see that those that slander you, who malign you, will be ashamed. And so you see here first how God wants us to separate ourselves in the holiness, understand the holiness, and to give God the place in our heart that he deserves. And now I want to go back to the Old Testament, because in order to understand this, in order to understand that the holiness of God what it means in the Lord's Prayer to say, Our Father. Daddy, I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 19. Because I honestly believe that in teaching this subject, we have to constantly remind ourselves that there is one Bible. Amen? One Bible. Not two Bibles. Not an Old Testament that's historical and a New Testament that delivers the gospel one Bible, one gospel, beginning from the beginning to the end, written about Jesus Christ over 1,600 years through 44-something separate authors who didn't know each other on three separate continents. One Bible, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, turned to Exodus chapter 19. You want to see how holy God is? You want to understand what it means in the Lord's Prayer to say, Our Father, our Daddy, turn to verse 10. And now God is speaking to Moses. He brought the people, the Jewish people, out of, out of Egypt. And now he's about to give them his law. He's about to give them the Ten Commandments. He's about to speak to them. Look at what God says to Moses as to how the people need to appreciate God, respect God, respect the holiness. Exodus chapter 19, verse 10. And the Lord said to Moses... Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Two days. Consecration. Two days. Preparation. Why? Have them wash their clothes and be ready for the third day. 
And mark that down, the third day. You've heard about the third day, haven't you? You think it's by accident? You think the third day, Jesus is resurrected on the third day, God comes back the third day, you think this all happens? This is just the happenstance? Folks, <laughs> this Bible's written by God. It's written by God. And be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Can you imagine? God will descend. Wash your clothes. Sanctify yourself. Be ready. God is going to be here on the third day. Put limits, and again, underline this, put limits for the people around the mountain. Can you imagine this? Don't come near this mountain. This is God's holy place. He's going to come here. Put limits around that mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not go up the mountain. How do you like this? Or touch the foot of it. Can you imagine? Don't even touch the base of the mountain. You will be struck dead. Our Father. Can you imagine understanding the enormity of what God has done for you through Jesus Christ? As you come to terms with the holiness of God, whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Wow. You understand the hallowed, holy, sanctified nature of God. That we as humans, even if we were to look at God himself and see God as we are humans, that we would be so awestruck, we would die of a heart attack. Our senses would be overloaded. We could not take it in the nature that we have, in our human condition, in the flesh that we have, in the sensory capacities that we have, we would be so overloaded if we saw exactly what God looks like that we'd be struck dead. And so he's telling them, don't even put your hand on the mountain where I am. He surely, he shall surely be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on them, whether man or animal. Can you imagine? Not even animals. If animals come there, they're to be put to death. They shall not be permitted. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast, may they go up to the mountain. A ram's horn. And by the way, just to let you know, in Revelations, when Jesus is going to come back, when he's going to come back the final time, do you know how he's going to be announced? By a horn. By a horn. Jesus will be, if you read Revelations chapter 8, that's what you're going to see. Jesus is going to be announced again by a horn. You understand that things don't happen by accident. And so the point of why I'm telling you this, and then look at the next, look at chapter 20. Chapter 20 is God is now giving them, these are the commandments. These are God's moral laws. These are the laws that never changed. These are the laws that are, these are the immutable laws of God. These are unchangeable. They are confirmed by Jesus. Jesus never obliterated these. These are as, just as much a part of the gospel of Jesus Christ as the Beatitudes. And look what it says in, verse, in chapter 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Amen. Understand what this is about. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. 
hallowed be thy name. That's why his name is hallowed. That's why his name is hallowed. That's why as you call him dad, as you see him in the most intimate of ways, you understand he is the creator, the alpha, the omega. Hallowed be our name. And you see how the Jewish people, when they came face to face to them, that God told them there were limits, that they couldn't come, that they couldn't see, that they couldn't touch. But you now, you now, you now, through Jesus Christ, 1,500 years later, through Jesus, through the adopted nature of Jesus, through the gift on the cross, as God goes to the cross and completes what Leviticus 16 had to be done every year, and Jesus does it once and for all, for all mankind, for all humanity, you now are the adopted son of God. Oh, my. Things have changed forever. And so when you say this prayer, our Father, our Daddy, hallowed be thy name. Understand what you're saying when you're saying, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. God, I worship you. I acknowledge you in every essence of what you are. I love you, especially so through the grace and gift of our Jesus Christ. I am your son. And I worship you and acknowledge that, even before I ask for a single thing. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the words that you have given us today. Lord, these are your words. Lord, we ask that they touch our heart, that they multiply in our spirit, that they go to places that we need, that we be lifted up, that we understand what you did for us on the cross. And we understand the nature of this prayer where we can now say, our daddy, Lord, we love you. We thank you for everything that you've done. Lord, I ask you now to put a wall of protection around these dear people. This week, be with them in every place that they go and bring them back to safely continue studying the word. We put all of these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Bless you.